big warm welcome to you. This is the Aware Parenting Podcast with Lael Stone and Marion Rose, PhD. We have juicy conversations about things that matter in parenting and life. We're exploring all that Aware Parenting has to offer from many different angles, and we are so glad that you're here. Hello and welcome to the Aware Parenting Podcast. I'm Lael Stone and my beautiful co-host Marion isn't here today because I have the absolute pleasure of interviewing a special guest, <laughs> which um, is kind of funny because she's a part of my family, just another member of my family that Marion and I thought would be wonderful to interview. And also because after our last podcast where we talked about uh, the crown and we mentioned archetypes, we had a few people write into us saying they'd love to learn more about this. So I thought he's a beautiful opportunity to get the master uh, with me and also, um, also, you know, have a wonderful chat with my beautiful mum, Barbara Stone. So welcome, mum. Mm, what an <laughs> exciting journey that we're both on this together. Um, it's really beautiful to, um, to be here with my mum. And I'm sure if you've listened to our podcast, you know, I've, I've talked a lot about my mum over the years as being such a beautiful teacher and a guide for me. And so much of the work I do has been influenced by the work that she's shared with me. So it's, you know, it's pretty amazing to have her here and and listening to her wisdom. And, you know, I I just want to start off by saying, you know, what we're going to talk about today, the archetypes isn't necessarily part of aware parenting, but there are many elements of um, particularly my mum's work around archetypes and all her knowledge that really do tie into a lot around aware parenting, such as, you know, knowing our own stories, looking at the stories and imprints that we can carry through from our own upbringings, how we play them out in parenting and uh, the archetype work that my mum does speak so beautifully to a lot of the roles that we play. So we thought this was a beautiful parallel to, um, to bring to our podcast. So before we crack into that, Mum, because this is the Aware Parenting Podcast, uh, I wanted to firstly just talk to you about how it's been for you as a grandmother uh, coming to Aware Parenting, you know, later in life or watching it. And, and, you know, we've had many beautiful conversations around how Aware Parenting looks and how that's been with your grandkids. I would love for you to share a little bit of your journey about how that feels, you know, how that's felt for you as a grandparent, you know, learning this later on in life. I am blessed to have nine wonderful grandchildren that uh, their age range now is from five to nearly 21. Um, Very glad I did the grandparenting journey early rather than later because you need energy for that. So I'm very glad I've done that. I think I've grown as you've grown because you've been such a help. When I look at, you know, your firstborn, Kai, um, and how, oh, he was amazing in what he evoked in me in terms of I could have almost stole him from you. I was so in love with him. (laughs) I I just couldn't get enough of him. Uh, And that's because the grandparenting journey is like that. You know, just, it's just amazing to see the reproduction of genes as it goes through. Obviously, nine grandchildren later, I don't want to steal any of them anymore. <laughs> You're a bit tired now, Mum. <laughs> a bit tired now. And, and, of course, it's not appropriate. So I have learned from when Kai was born to where I am now that to sit back and watch and just enjoy 
the three children, um, they all bring up their children very differently, I see, as a grandparent watching on. And I think at the end of the day, we all do the best job we know how, given our own, as you say, imprints and manipulations and control things that we're brought up with. Uh, as you would know, I have I had parents that were emotionally dysfunctional to the nth degree. So I was brought up in that old style of children are seen and not heard and you certainly don't share feelings and none of that happened. In fact, I didn't know the word feel existed until I was in my late 20s and 30s. I only knew the word think. And it was a big revelation for me to understand what do I actually feel and then being an identical twin made that even worse because I didn't know what I felt because I was used to feeling someone else's stuff all the time as well so there was a lot of unraveling that had to happen but what the children have taught me over the years is how to do joy and how to do fun and how to do laughter. That's the upside. The downside is the tantrums and those things that at times I wanted to run away from, but because of your work, you taught me way more how to be more present with that. I mean, I never did run away from you guys when you were little, that's just an expression. But it taught me about, as my own work has taught me about holding the space and just being present for whatever unfolds because that's what love looks like. You know, it isn't about running away. It is about knowing that that's that person, the grandchild, whomever has every right to just express how they're feeling. Obviously, violence isn't okay and all that sort of stuff, but it's just about their feelings that need to come out. So, yes, I've matured <laughs> as a grandparent over the years and mm. it's been a, a fabulous journey that I wouldn't miss. They're all beautiful mm. and um, they're all unique in how they are. So it's, mm. yeah, it's been a one and I'm very grateful that mm. I've done that mm. journey. And I'm so grateful too because we have had many conversations around when we were children and when you and dad were, were obviously, of course, doing the best job you know how and then how that was for me and then um, how we've grown up and then raising my own kids. Like I feel so blessed that we've been managed, we've managed to talk all about, you know, just the different upbringings we've all had and how that has landed with us and the work that we do. And, you know, one of the greatest things you ever taught me, mum, was about, you know, looking at yourself, looking at the stories that we're creating, looking at your part to play in it. It's, you know, I remember really getting that lesson, even as a 10 and 11 year old, you know, you shared so much of that wisdom with me. I'm so deeply grateful for that. And I love that we've been able to have these conversations around parenting and, you know, through our, our kids. Yeah, it's amazing. I feel very blessed that mm. we've been able to to mm. do that and have the relationship that we do because I know in my work and I know you know in your work that a lot of relationships are very strange, are strained um, with their parents. And, you know, I feel very blessed that we've had the opportunity to work through even stuff that's been tricky to get to where we are. And that's where your school is going to make such a massive difference because you're not only working with the kids, you're working with the parents. Mm -hmm. Now, what other school does that mm -hmm. in terms of working with that? Because we all need to be taught because mm -hmm. not just my generation, now in my 70s, in your 40s and 50s, if you've come from a dysfunctional home where the parents aren't safe 
in their own beingness, then that's going to be naturally translated onto mm. the child. Mm. And so the it just goes on. The ball just keeps rolling mm. and down the hill until it becomes an avalanche. Mm. Yes, yes, that's why this work is so important, isn't it? So, Barbara Stone, I would like to talk to you about archetypes because this has definitely been your genius and your work yes. for a long time. Yes. So would you like to perhaps explain to everybody about, you know, what your work around archetypes is and how you came to this work sure I've been involved in the alternative healing field for 44 years I started off the journey wanting to understand the psychological aspect of what we do and who we are and so I got involved in healing work it was a natural transition for me to do that in my mid-30s up until that point I was very left brain and as I said I didn't know what the word feeling meant and then mid-30s, two things happened. I was very short-sighted. I actually, if you look at the metaphysics of that, I didn't want to see where I was. And so I had my eyesight restored. And I was blessed to be um, one of the first people in Australia to have this new operation. And I came across alternative healing, Reiki. That blew me apart in terms of intuition and awareness and all sorts of things being able to see that was going on with people. In that quest for that and that healing journey, I came across an amazing lady called Caroline Mace um, in the States. She's written many, many books. She has an enormous following. I think her most wonderful book for me has always been Anatomy of the Spirit. And I just knew I had to go and work with her. I could read into people's energy fields to a certain extent, but not to her degree of accuracy. That's what got me over there. I love the expression, if you want to make God laugh, tell her your plans, because that's exactly what was true for me. I went over there thinking I was going to improve my healing capacity. What a joke. That's where I came across the archetypes. I had no idea we were even going to do it. I, yes, it was um, quite blowing me out of the water. But there are some things, and it was the same with the healing modalities. I took to it like a duck to water. It was the same with archetypes. I just knew what they were saying and what was, it was so true. And it was a fabulous map of the world that we were given that just explained all of a sudden, explained everything. So instead of going into fear and doubt and all those things that come up sabotaging ourselves, the understanding the archetypes and then putting them into chart form all of a sudden made everything so clear so I just very easily for me I was able to interpret these things and the chart readings and so Caroline gave me permission to come back to Australia this is 25 years ago to do this and so I sort of was probably responsible for pioneering them here I probably do them differently to everyone else because since then there's other people that do it, taught by Carolyn, but in a different way. I was very, very blessed to have her as a teacher with only 20 people in the class. Normally there's hundreds, if not thousands. So I got a different level of learning than what other people did. But it was just my passion and my forte. And so it went on from there. So I've been grateful to teach many people how to do it. Um, 25,000 chart readings plus, plus, plus later that I've done. I don't need the practice anymore. But I actually have never come across a more accurate tool that actually tells you where you're at. Mm. That led me to a couple of years ago writing a book. I never thought I'd write a book, but somebody yelled at me. And when I have a strong reaction from my intuition, it goes through my body very strongly. And 
this was the reaction about writing a book, but it was effortless. It only took me about a month to write it because it literally was all about my experiences mm -hmm. with the archetypes and the charts. Mm -hmm. And so the book is out there for anyone to teach themselves how to do this. You don't need me anymore. The book explains it in layman's terms very easily that anyone but anyone can pick up the book and read it. It was written from that perspective of Joe Bloggs in the street not even knowing what archetypes means. And so it's a, a word, another word. It's The word archetypes has been around since the days of Plato and it means patterns or roles or behaviours, which is all your work that we're doing. We have to understand what our patterns are and our roles for us to have the awareness to therefore come in and change. Mm. So that's what it's all about. I love Long that. time ago. A mm. uh, little plug here. Um, Barb's book is called Archetypes Made Easy, and we'll put a link to it on the um, on the in our show notes if you want to check it out. But it's great because you do a beautiful job of explaining what they're mm, about. Thank you. So I would love to go a little bit further because exactly as you explained what an archetype is, um, let's perhaps put that into um, more of a concrete form so people can understand how that might play out in their lives, mm. what that looks like. So mm. do you want to give us some examples? Sure. There's four main archetypes and um, but I'll talk about two of them in particular the first one that arises is the child because you're born and you take on board a body so you can't not have a child archetype but there's many variations to the child there's the spoiled child there's the wounded child there's something called the pure eternus which is the Peter Pan syndrome of the child who never wants to grow up the classic of that was Michael Jackson because his childhood was taken away from him I've created another term called the millennial child, which is the child that grows up that has a sense of entitlement or instant gratification. I want it yesterday. Mm. Um, you know, I grew up with if you didn't couldn't afford something, you put it on lay-by. That doesn't, does it still exist? Is that around? I don't know. Where these days with credit cards and instant thing, you can have what you want instantly. Um, doesn't mean to say you can pay for it, but you can have it. And so the child has many, many variations. The next one that most people will relate to that um, unfolds is the victim archetype. And that's alive and well on the planet. Um, there's many examples of the victim some a lot of cultures excel in the victim archetype and certain groups excel in the victim archetype the victim can be that part within us that says this isn't fair it's your fault you've done this to me you have to fix it or another aspect of the victim is when you go into overwhelm because it's so huge so big you can't possibly get out of it and then the feelings of helplessness and hopelessness and all that can come in those two i see playing out very strongly but i have to say there's levels within these archetypes so what i work with is what's called jung's levels of consciousness and so it's based on his understanding of the levels of our awareness and that those three labels that he uses are tribal, individuation and symbolic. So as an example, if the child's at the tribal level, that's the example of the child that has their toy taken away from them and so they just have a temper tantrum because I want it back you can't play with it now it doesn't matter if you're six or you're 60 you can still have that reaction to things that are going on whereas if you're at the symbolic level the end of the spectrum as a 60-year-old, one hopes your six-year-old isn't still on lead, but it may be, depending on the circumstances. But as a, at the symbolic level, the child would say, 
there's plenty of toys to go around or if I don't have it now, I can have it later. You learn about delayed gratification and you learn about lots of different things and you step back because you know you don't have to possess anything anymore. Whereas the child at the tribal level must have it, it's mine and you can't do that anymore. The child at the symbolic level understands that you don't have to possess there's enough to go around or it's okay. You don't have to, because the child at the tribal level is ruled by the ego, ruled by the needs to have that. The same with victim. Victim at tribal is the way I described it before, overwhelm, it's your fault, you must fix it. Whereas victim at symbolic comes from that place of understanding, hey, I'm a co-creator in this reality. No one's actually doing anything to me and that this on another level is all perfect. I just have to look at it differently. I have to turn it around. I am not saying you ever put up with bad behavior or abusive behavior. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying your awareness at the victim at the symbolic level is able to step back and see a much, much bigger picture, whereas the victim at tribal collapses into whatever's going on. If you're seriously ill, you've had got cancer or anything, whatever's going on, really severe illness, and you've got victim at tribal, good luck, because you won't be able to heal from that illness because you have no personal power, because it's given away to everything you were taught in your childhood. But victim at symbolic symbolic takes their power back and can therefore move on the healing journey whatever they have to do I love those examples you use because from an aware parenting point of view you know we we would look at a real child you know who was upset that a toy was going missing and and from our point of view we would be able to hold space for them to express Mm. how they feel whereas Mm. perhaps on a more authoritarian point of view it would be about don't get upset punishing the child it Mm. would be you know um shaming the child Mm. whereas and and when you're talking about a 60 year old who still plays this out is often because they haven't had those needs met as a Mm. child and that's where I guess we look at where aware parenting can be so powerful to help our children move through their stuff Mm. but a lot of what you're talking about particularly the child archetype and the victim archetype as adults and I see this a lot in my work as well they do sit at a tribal level for a lot of people mm. particularly and and that turns up in parenting all the time because a lot of people do feel very powerless they've never known mm. what it's like to have their own autonomy or mm. speak their truth it's too dangerous to say what they need you know we'll talk about the good girl good boy archetype in a minute but that's what's run us in order to stay safe and so often when we have children and our kids bring up these stories for us and mm. we go into reaction and we become, um, we start yelling or we become really, really triggered around what's going on is because, again, a lot of these belief systems are stuck there and we haven't actually shifted or done the work around them. And I'll give you a classic example of a client I was talking to the other day who was talking about someone, a house he's living in, and he's been fixing up the house he's living in And the person who owns the house didn't say thank you, didn't acknowledge what he'd done. And this person, this client was saying, you know, I thought he was a nice person and why didn't he do that? And using the archetypes, and you'd be doing exactly the same in aware parenting, I was able to go back and say, so tell me what happened in your childhood. Were you ever thanked? Were you acknowledged? And, of course, he never was. And so it's um, it was just 
history coming back up again for him. And I said, what a golden opportunity for you to do the healing around this because he all he's carried it all the way through and from childhood because he had an abusive relationship with his parents, never acknowledged or um, praised in any way, shape or form, and it's still there. And this man's in his 50s. It's still there that is the child comes out when he doesn't get that level of praise or that level of um acknowledgement yeah and we see that a lot too sometimes in parenting that if your child you know speaks back to you or says I hate you or or says no you know often parents can feel um a lot of rage can surface because they're like how dare you disrespect me and that will often have deep roots into not feeling respected as a child so so when you're the adult and somebody doesn't respect you somebody doesn't acknowledge you all those feelings are going to come bubbling up Mm -hmm. again I mean it's look it's all it's the same stuff just different different ways we look at it can you talk a little bit about the good girl and good boy because that happens I see that a lot in in, I know Marion would as well in the work that we do but do you want to talk about that from an archetypal point of view it's certainly in my generation, that's all you heard. Good boy, if you washed your hands. Good girl, if you cleaned your teeth well, whatever it is. It was that. It was just the language of the day without any awareness attached behind it. I can honestly say with my nine magnificent grandchildren, I've never said good boy or good girl because I now understand the damage it does. And again, at the levels of consciousness, at the tribal level, good boy sets you or good girl or good boy at that level sets you up for you only if you do something well will you receive love will you be praised for it will you receive the acknowledgement for who you are and it's just total manipulation and we don't see that we don't understand what we're doing there are myriads of other words you can use outside of that but as I said my parents had zero emotional intelligence so they didn't know any better whereas at the symbolic level you would it's not about praising the child because they've done well it's about loving the child regardless of who they are and so those words aren't used at that level so if you're still playing good boy and good girl in your 50s 60s and 70s still trying to please other people still doing the right thing to win that acknowledgement you have no personal power you're still doing it to serve everybody else but if you at the symbolic level good boy and good girl can still help others even please others but they equally have their own internal power system going it's not to win approval from anyone else so it's a whole different ballpark Mm -hmm. and it's the same with the caretaker archetype which is a classic particularly for females I don't know many men that play this role but it's over and above with some females it usually happens if you're the firstborn female and there's a number of siblings coming behind you, but it can even work with two. So let me present it as a classic opportunity. I used to work with doctors in a clinic and one of the doctors sent me this lady who had had breast cancer and she'd recovered well, as often happens, but just on the normal medical model of chemo, etc. And then a couple of years later, it returned as a secondary. Of course it did and because there wasn't any depth of work done around it now this lady was the oldest female of 10 children 
she then, all her children had children and she had something like 25 grandchildren and she was still doing the caretaking of the 25 grandchildren. She was in her 60s or 70s by the time I saw her and she was beyond exhausted, but she was so addicted to her role as the caretaker. Take that away from her. Who was she? She had no identity outside of the caretaker role. So I remember saying to her, what if I could write a magic script for you, what would it look like? What would you like to do? Let's take away all your children, your grandchildren, and what you perceive are your responsibilities. What would you do? She said, oh, that's very simple. I'd be painting. I just love painting. So I pretended to write a script for her and say, I give you full permission to do nothing but paint. She actually painted herself into wellness. Wow. This is a true story. Mm. And so it, but she just needed someone to give her permission because she was so addicted to her role as caretaker, she mm. couldn't conceive of not playing it, but it was costing her her help big time. Mm. So the caretaker is a role that many females take on board that doesn't service. Mm. And so it's necessary, perhaps, when you've got, you know, lots of little kids when you're young, of course you do. But if you're still doing it, you know, in your 50s and 60s and 70s, you haven't um, delved into who you really are deeply enough or know what your own passion really is. Mm-hmm. And look, you know, I, I know I have done many, many charts with you over the years and have also learned about the archetypes and, you know, um, a chart reading that, that you're referring to, Mum, is really about seeing where you are in this moment and how things are playing out and you choose a whole lot of the archetypes and the different levels of consciousness mm. that they sit at, which gives you a bit of an indication around what's, you know, where you're at and what's leading your life. And mm. I think the thing that I find most powerful is it is one of the most accurate tools to really get super clear on where you are in, mm. in the world at the moment of what's running you. And then it's looking at, well, how do we shift and change that? And so sometimes it's as simple as actually the acknowledgement of, Mm -hmm. wow, that's what I'm running, seeing Mm -hmm. it. Sometimes it's actually putting stuff in place. It's actually actioning it. And that Mm -hmm. can be around setting boundaries. It can be about saying no to people. It can be actually about following your heart instead of following your head. It can be about the denial of our passions and desires, you know, because of playing out the good girl or whatever, all other stuff that comes up. And there's a difference in, for a lot of women, Women, I find, particularly older women and particularly women from other cultures, European women, they are addicted to the caretaker role because that's what they've been brought up with that makes them a good parent. So they often know how to do self-care. They'll go and get their hair done, go and get their nails done, those sorts of things. But self-love? What's that look like? They have no idea about that. So for a lot of people, that doesn't even exist in their vocabulary. What do you mean by that? And that's whatever makes your heart sing. That's what you have to do to nurture and care for yourself at that heart level of giving just to yourself, not to anyone else, just to yourself. But for so many people, that's so hard to do because they've never been taught that it's okay to do that. You have to fix everybody else up first and only if there's enough space left will you put yourself into the equation. Mm. Ah, It still Mm. happens even in this day and age. Of course it does. Mm. And and I think we often talk about that, that that... that comes from a lack of modelling too. Mm. You know, it's very rare that we are modelled what self-love looks like from our parents. So, of mm. course, we just watch <laughs> when we're younger and then we take on board whatever, you know, we go, well, this is what it looks like to be a mother or a father or this is what it looks like to be a human and it's something that we have to relearn and come home to mm. ourselves most it, definitely. It's certainly not just um, in the field of females. It absolutely applies to males as well because they have to be the protector and the provider and in this day and age that's not 
not quite so strong as it used to be, but it's all about achieving. Um, archetypally speaking, when I started this work such a long time ago, our three biggest addictions, and we all run at least 10 addictions, whether you want to own it or not, um, they used to be money, sex and food because they all love substitutes. And if you understand the um, language of chakras, they all sit at the second chakra level. That's what you'll turn to to make yourself feel better when you don't understand the concept of self-love. Money's mm -hmm. got on this planet, whether we like it or not. Men and women both use sex as a bargaining power to get their needs met. And in the past, women have used food as a love substitute, but men have caught up to that one. It's a sign of the time that I see these days our three biggest addictions being social media. And whilst there's wonderful, wonderful things about the internet and hasn't COVID brought that into its own realm completely and utterly, but there's also incredibly dangerous things when parents don't know what their kids are watching on the internet and the, the porn and all that stuff that's scary stuff to me, let alone how it's used psychologically for one person to compare themselves to another. I see that as so beyond dangerous, mm. so, so scary. So social media, um, there's a lot of programming that goes on in that. And I see it. And that's the documentary the mm. thing that's out at the moment. I see the second biggest addiction as our addiction to busyness. Mm. We have to be busy all the time. Otherwise, we're not worthwhile. We have to say, the world or go and do this thing or that thing and the opposite to busyness is stillness how can you possibly know what your heart's telling you if you don't understand what stillness looks like and where are we taught this stuff mm -hmm. hope your school brings that in and the number one addiction is to the mind itself believing our thoughts are who we are mm. they're not mm. they're a program mm. and so we're so programmed by so many you know for the first 12 years 11 12 years till puberty you're programmed by your parents they will be your biggest um people that do the most amount of programming for you. Religion has an enormous part to play in that programming. Our culture has a huge part in our programming and we're so multicultural here in Australia, thank goodness. But then the education system has a huge part to play. You know, who are you if you're not achieving? And then the media of the day has a huge part. And then our peer group, good God, by the time you're at puberty level, will the real you stand up and be counted? <laughs> you so can't true. be anything else but what everyone's told you. You should, you must, you have to be. Mm. And most of it is fear-based mm. if you go in and examine it. Mm, yes, oh. yes, I, I hear you totally. And look, I love Marion often talks about this, the bigger global picture of, of just what um, has happened through all the years of us being influenced by, you know, just the patriarchy or by many, many different parts mm. that have really conditioned us to be where we are. And I think we're at a time where we're starting to undo that. We're starting to look and question and go, actually, this doesn't serve me and I want to raise my children differently and I want education to be different and I want to to live a life that is fulfilled and that is connected to myself, not what others are telling me I should be. Empowered, absolute yes. empowerment, from, but from within, yes. not without. It's yes. got to be an inside job. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So coming back to the archetype, so, I mean, there's, I mean, infinite archetypes on some <laughs> level, isn't there? Mm. But, I mean, how many archetypes did you mainly used to work with? Mm. I was given 50 originally, but I doubled that. Mm. And you were the one that created the archetype I made up called Square Peg in a Round Hole. Oh, good. Yes, that's yours. Yeah, that's mine. I yes, can own that. Can yes, I? <laughs> because as a child you felt so different to everyone else because of 
who you were and you know your abilities whatever and so I just could see that you felt so lonely in your childhood because you didn't have you could you had peer group obviously around you but no one quite got you Mm. in terms of who you were and what you did and so as I looked at you then I could see as the archetypes coming so many people feel that way Mm. and now of course they're everywhere so if I look at you and I often use you as an example so I'd say um, Lael was as a square peg in a round hole at the tribal level felt lonely often and felt like she wasn't seen or heard or understood and how many kids can relate to that Yet at the symbolic level, um, especially after you went away at such a young age, um, you weren't even 18 and did a massive journey overseas, um, which I I remember grieving for six months before you went, (laughs) knowing you had to go because it was going to be the best thing that was ever going to happen to you, and it was because it set a brilliant foundation for where you are now. But also when you came back, you then came back and set up your own children's entertainment company because you could relate to kids because they knew you knew all the different realms were valid from whatever the different kingdoms or whatever that were around nature kingdoms and all those sorts of things. And so you could relate to them as who you were. So what was a pain in the beginning became a joy at the end because you made it work for the good of the whole. Mm. And that's what the square peg in the round hole can do. Instead of feeling isolated and awful and alone at the tribal level, at the symbolic level, you take your very gifts, know that there's no accident that you've got those gifts. They're there as part of the whole of who you are. So you use them for the good of the whole and you've never stopped Mm. doing that. It's (laughs) always been there. Mm. So you started that archetype for me and I created a lot more. So there you go. Thanks. I don't think I've told you that story. I didn't know that story. That's really (laughs) nice to hear. I, I just remember the parts of feeling lonely and that no one understood me <laughs> um but yes that I have definitely come full circle with that yeah yeah, yeah. indeed yeah um you know I think what I love about the archetypes is they just give us such a beautiful insight into who we are as humans and I think they help us understand more about who we are and you know one of the big things we talk about in this podcast and we're parenting all the time is that compassion for ourselves, you know, for that we are all doing the best job that we know how, you know, and that part of, and I'm imagining this is what you say too, when you're doing, um, when you're talking about the archetypes is that, you know, the first part is the understanding of the story of why we do what we do, where we come from. And then the changing it is the loving ourselves enough, being kind and compassionate ourselves with ourselves to make those shifts, to love yourself enough to put boundaries in place, to love yourself enough to choose you, to love yourself enough to um, take these steps to transform where we are. And I think that's what I love about your, you know, I mean, there's many over the years, many times I've been stuck and I'll ring you and go, Mom, this is what's going on. And you go, why don't you do a chart on it? <laughs> and so I go, yes, I will, because I know that it's going to highlight exactly what it's about. And interrupting you, the only reason I would say let's do a chart is because you pull the cards, mm. not me, mm. and it's your work, not mine. And that's the reason I would say that, because I could see what was going on, mm. but it has much more power yes. when you pull the cards for yourself yes. or there's ways you can do it online now. Mm. And that's what's so, it becomes, you can own it then because it's you not me and I have a quote on one of my thing that says 
following on from what you just said, love is the answer. Now, what was the question? Yes. yes. And that's exact. That's how I feel. Mm. Whenever we're feeling lost, alone, betrayed, rejected, all those things, sad, whatever it might mm. be, if it can't, if you really delve deep within what's missing is love mm. and love of self primarily mm. and giving yourself what you need more than anything else if you fill your own cup up to overflowing you then have the power to share it out with everyone else mm. but we've been taught for thousands of years fill everyone else's cup up first and yes. leave yours to last what a load of rubbish yes oh, yes I'm so glad it's changing yes it is and, and it's so true and I think that you know, I know that parents want to be the best parent they can be, but we can't do that unless we no. do the work for ourselves and that we hold ourselves so tenderly and compassionately mm. to shift and make those changes, yep. you know, and I think totally. that that's, you know, it is always the answer. We say that every time, you know, what, what would love look like right now? Yep. You know, what would that be yep. in these situations if mm. we chose to love ourselves or we chose to be tender or kind with ourselves? What mm. would that look like and what mm. we can shift and change? Yeah, and it is a message that is slowly, slowly starting to infiltrate the world. But, yes, it definitely mm. takes mm. time, doesn't it? Mm. Mm. Yes. So is there anything else that you would like to share about archetypes or I guess what you've learnt over all these years of working with them? I guess we've covered a lot of it there don't let the name put you off because you know there's a lot of books which is why I wrote my book there are a lot of books around that are very mm, highly educational and intellectual etc etc but there wasn't anything that cut it at the grassroots level which is why I was told to write it so it's just a fabulous tool for understanding like I did a chart for myself a week or so ago because I had a dream that didn't make sense to me and I thought mm, I wonder what the chart will say and it was crystal clear in an instant and and it was about exactly what we're talking about. I pulled the celibate archetype, which is not about being celibate at my age. That's another term for intimacy and about being, I have to spend, because I've only just stopped working, you know, and having some time out now. It is so about remembering what I have to do is go within. Mm -hmm. And that's the main relationship I have to foster now more than anything else. It's my time to do mm -hmm. that to me now. And mm -hmm. so it doesn't matter how old you are, the message is there. Mm -hmm. It's so hard to do that when you've got little kids mm -hmm. and you've got a family and you're running around here, there and everywhere and you're working. Oh my God, we're all mystics without monasteries mm -hmm. these days because in the olden days if you really wanted to know yourself you went into a monastery or something and you were fed and clothed and and had all the space to do that these days it's so hard mm. because you've got to do it all whilst working and whilst mm. having children and whilst meeting everyone else's needs mm. and it's so hard to do the intimacy journey with the self mm. let alone another mm. but you if you don't do it with yourself you'll be struggling to have it with another mm. it's that simple really mm. but the older you get hopefully the more you turn towards that because it's your rite of passage mm. and if you want to be on your deathbed then the gift I'd give you would be to have deep peace because there's no regrets there's nothing left and you know yourself and who you really are at that deepest level that you're you're happy to go mm -hmm. you know that would be the biggest gift I'd give anybody if I could mm. deep peace mm. I love that I love that and I definitely say you know I am still in my 
raising the family and building things. You're building and, empires. <laughs> yes, I know you empires. say that to me. You're in the phase <laughs> of building empires. But um, that calling for that inner peace and that stillness is, you know, I can hear it getting louder, you know, and it is. It's trying to find the balance of being able to talk to you yeah. that wants that. Mm. Totally. I absolutely mm. hear and, and see that, mm. yeah. Um, I want to say thank you, Mum, not only for talking here, but uh, you have impacted thousands of people's lives. I know you have because, you know, people come up to me and go, is Barbara Stone your mum? I go, mm-hmm. And, then- and I'm getting the same, the reverse now when I, because we've just shifted location and I would try to add a new hairdresser and I said something about my name and she said, oh, there's this lady called Lael Stone. I said, oh, yes. And she said, do you know her? And I said, well, she happens to be my daughter. And it was, oh, she's not your Stop daughter. <laughs> I had to smile. And I thought, oh, I'm the, daughter, I'm the mother of a celebrity. <laughs> it's so not true. Um, but so anyway. You're blushing. You can't see it, but she's blushing. Okay. Thanks, Mum. <laughs> Okay. Sorry, sense of humour. Thank you. That's lovely. I love that the random hairdresser <laughs> is talking about me. Um, but I just want to say, you know, I look. Obviously, I've I've watched your journey, and I know that you came to this work and did a lot of this stuff way before it was even cool to be into spirituality yeah. or anything. Yeah. You know, you were definitely, you know, doing have, it from a very, you know, from a young age. I have what's mm. called a pioneer archetype, and mm. yeah, that can be daunting at times. Mm. I can tell you, but then so do you. Yes, you've inherited. Yes. That. Yes, mm. but I know that your work has impacted many. As you say, you've done that, like over twenty thousand chart readings, and and people have, you know, had the beauty of um, your support over the years. So, you know, I, I think I feel very blessed that I chose you as my mother. I was very smart <laughs> that I went, okay, well, who's going to help me do what I need to do? So I'll choose you. Thank mm. you. Um, but you've also been such a beautiful teacher, and what I've loved is you've always been so deeply honest with me, and you've always called you know, you've, you've called me on that victim archetype when I needed it. <laughs> you've called me on the child archetype when I needed to, because I have, I've needed that to go, oh gosh, that's where I am. And that's where I'm running. And what do I need to do to shift and change mm. it? So I'm so deeply grateful. Mm. I feel like it has given me the foundation to do the work I do now. So I'm very, very, we're very grateful. Very blessed, darling, we are very other. blessed. Very yes. blessed. Um, so thank you for being on our podcast. Oh, thank pleasure. you. I'm like working through my family members here. My <laughs> 12-year-old daughter decided that she wants to be on the podcast next. Yep. So I'm going to interview Tali about you being a tween. Her out. No, no, no. I don't think my son's up for it. But no. anyway, he doesn't care. He's just doing his own thing. Um, so thank you. Thank my you for pleasure, sharing sir. your wisdom. And, and if you do want to know more about archetypes or, you know, you can go and um, find mum's book. It's called Archetypes Made Easy. So Barbara Stone, you can go and find that. Um, and there are people around to do chart readings as well if, if people and are interested in that my website um archetypechartreadings.com all the free information is there awesome. you can all the videos everything's there if you want to learn more about it and get in touch and i'll because i'm having some time out i'll be able to refer you on to people i'm really happy mm-hmm. to yeah that i've taught yeah mm. yeah it's fascinating work and i think you know even though we're coming to it from different angles whether we're parenting it all comes back to the same place too of you know mm. doing that inner work and and um holding the self mm. gently coming back home mm. to where we are so thank you very much for being Pleasure, here mm, thank you thank you and thank you everybody for listening and um as always we so appreciate your comments and your sharing and and your support of our podcast it makes it just you know for both marion and i it makes us so happy so on behalf of marion i'm going to say uh thank you thanks for being here and we look forward to seeing you next time mm-hmm.
Thanks for joining us on the Aware Parenting Journey. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Aware Parenting Podcast. You can find more about Lael at www.laelstone.com.au or find Marion at www.marionrose.net. We wish you much compassion and grace on your parenting journey.